no games to preview this week. Uh, everyone's going to be missing our in-depth analysis on United's next opponents. Um, but the general analysis that Partizan Belgrade aren't very good turned out to be a profoundly accurate, more or less perfect description of uh, that victory. It's been a much, much better week for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's brave, dashing, saucy Reds. Yeah, Partizan are rubbish, by the way. Yeah. And I'm not sure you can really claim an aggregate victory for wins over two different clubs doesn't work like that but you know are we claiming a trophy for that one <laughs> yeah the scored six goals in a week even though we're man united trophy um the the belgrade game extremely enjoyable quirk of fate that all three of the front three scored a very pleasing turn of events i thought yeah and and the fact that united then scored three again against brighton means that there's now some momentum built up again. I mean, look, I'm not uh, going to ascribe any, uh, anything particular to this because I think we've seen two steps forward, one step back quite a lot, or, or more, one step forward, two steps back quite a lot. So it was great. Two victories in a week. Uh, partisan, um, they're, they're not much cop at all. And it was just uh, fun to see United be able to take apart a uh, a team because it hasn't happened very often this season. Uh, and the front three, especially Rashford and Martial, looks really good. Although, um, you know, props to Mason Greenwood. I think he did well to. I, I, hold on, I'm interrupting you there, Ed, because <laughs> it felt like you were ascribing a lot of praise to the two players who didn't do a Zidane pirouette, a Marseille turn over the ball and score a goal, even though they're just literally a child. No, I know, I know, but. The thing, the thing with Mason, like, don't, don't take this the wrong way, is he doesn't get that involved in the games, and and so like, he he wasn't a particularly big influence apart from a cracking goal <laughs> and some lovely skill. I mean, there's much more to come to him, from him, so don't don't think of that as a criticism per se. But I thought actually Rashford and Martial were the two that were pulling apart um, Partizan's defense m- more than anyone else. And, but, but look, yeah. anyway, it, it, it was very effective from United. And, um, you know, that, that, felt, that felt like a potential bonus. And, and then, like, add plus Daniel James had an excellent game against Brighton. And there's some real attacking firepower there if they can be supplied. And one of the, one of the interesting things that happened uh, against Partizan was that Fred had a pretty good game. And, and he seemed to be, you know, really, like, he seems to be growing. Anyway, like, yeah, I mean, there's be. a s- solid shout that he was man of the match against Brighton. Yeah, I thought. And, and by the um, way, Wanamata wasn't bad either. So oh, Wanamata was lovely yeah. against, and in fact, that made it that made a huge difference. I thought to United's general play, and and you know the, the quest for Wanamata's level. All right, you can write off Serbian league; he's still above Serbian league level as a number ten. He was so uh, dynamic and energetic and full of running. I mean, full of like. Qu- not very fast running, but he yeah. can't, he's only got little legs. But, you know, he's this. He was, you're absolutely right. That's, he was United's standout player, probably on the pitch, I thought, against Partizan. And, and he, his um, running and movement and also decision making really helped Rashford and Martial to tear apart that. that oh, for sure. Partizan they they create space if someone can find them. I, I thought Matter was helped, you know, loads because. Um, Nacho just stayed forward all the time in the partisan uh, midfield. Didn't really help uh, Skekic and Jeddah. I'm probably pronouncing those horribly, but uh, they just didn't, you know, offer 
any kind of pressing at all on Mata. So Mata had all this time and you had these three players moving in front and uh, it was perfectly set up. I mean, it's interesting, two games in a week where we've done well and it they're both very exciting. I enjoyed both games thoroughly and you come out feeling really good. And then uh, the sort of analytical part of my brain was going, but, 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 they neither of them did the thing that you have to do in order to beat United. And it's not that difficult. I mean, Brighton today, yeah, we were recording Sunday night, but Brighton today, I was like looking at their defence going, you're 15 yards too high and 15 yards too spread out. It's all, you know, and and obviously uh, their coach has been praised for, for we talked about uh, Brighton last week, has been praised for taking Brighton forward um, and Graham Potter. And uh, I just thought he got it wrong today and he played into United's hands. Now, that's not to take away any credit from United before I get those messages on Twitter telling me, oh, why can't you just enjoy a win, Ed? Um, oh, you literally did say you enjoyed the win, I did. to be fair. I did. Well, I tweeted <laughs> yeah. today, uh, fun performance, enjoyed that, with then some anal- analysis. And it was like, Ed, why can't you enjoy this win? <laughs> um, I just assumed Twitter. that everyone on Twitter is a teenager in his bedroom. Are you? For, for reasons that I uh, don't want to talk about, I've reopened my Twitter account for at least a little bit. And it's like slipping onto an old, like slipping into an old comfortable pair of slippers, but an old comfortable pair of slippers that occasionally calls you the C word and relentlessly informs you of everything that's wrong in the world. It's very tiring. You, know, you, can, you um, can mute on keywords. Uh, you can mute on keywords, but um, and and I have many keywords muted. Um, That's but... why you never get any of my tweets, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, it really is. Uh, so um, you can't mute by theme, though, which I wish you could. Anyway, uh, Rashford, absolutely excellent against um, against Partizan, as as was Martial. I, I thought Mason Greenwood's contribution, given that goal and an assist, you know, pre- pretty, pretty, pretty oh, thoroughly look, decent. Look, it's decent. It's decent. I'll, I'll be expecting two goals and two assists next week. Though. Yeah. What, what was he getting a minute today against Brighton for? What was the, what's the point? I don't. There's there's a lot to be discussed about Oli Solskjaer's use of young players in big games. Uh, Ashley Young played in that game because he was suspended for the weekend. And so Brandon Williams was playing in the main game young got an assist as well but i mean and in fact like a really nice one too because that ball i think it was um was it mason's ball across that uh he killed dead young killed it dead and martial slammed it home i think that was a martial goal absolutely just sauce dripping when united's front three play well they are so fun to watch and it, it makes it all the more frustrating in a way when they don't play well um but i i you know we know, we know that's not just about the three of them although it is a little bit also sometimes about the three of them oh, look for sure i mean uh, big defenders of rashford and martial on this show aren't we but it, it's not like we could claim consistency on their behalf so definitely not and then when you have a bunch of inconsistent players together uh, it it really it does mean it can be a few games in a row before it all clicks so and that's and that there is absolutely nothing i mean at the beginning of this season it's kind of everything 
this this week at the beginning of the season is exactly what I'm looking for. So two bad teams don't really tell us much about where we are in the big, great scheme of football and, you know, who's going to win what and all that. Like, yeah, we can beat a really bad team and we can beat anyone who's going to be open. And actually, that includes good teams. So we can beat good teams if they come and play open football. I'd rather play a good team who can play and want to come out and play us than a bad team who are relatively well organised. Well, yeah, you're in a good team, not a very good team. <laughs> yeah, a very good team might be a problem. Um, so, so we can play yeah. like Arsenal every week, no problem. I mean, that that is the dream, isn't it? Uh, that Although I'm not even sure if they're a good team anymore. Ultimately, I mean, they're quite a bit above us in the league, aren't they? But we are definitely not good. Well, team. did you see but them at Leicester? They went there and parked the bus. They Mourinho they... balled it at Leicester. Well, they're preparing for his arrival, aren't they? Just... <laughs> Please. <laughs> Emery's getting them ready. Um, I thought Fred was absolutely superb against Brighton. Like, he was he was good, decent in midweek. Um, but I thought he was magic against Brighton. His ball for Martial... Uh, for what ended up being the third goal. So he, he puts the through ball through to Martial. Martial finds uh, Rashford. I can't remember which way around it is. No, it was, that was Rashford's goal. So yeah, Martial found Rashford who scored. No, uh, there was some shot and rebound and all that. You know, anyway. Um, <laughs> ultimately, though, the point I'm making is Fred's Not a very good one, really basically. Nice. But yes. No, no, Fred... no. The point I'm making is good. I'm just making it badly. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. It's it's a we're moving on from bad point badly made, which is ninety percent of this show, I guess. Uh, yeah, look, I agree. Fred uh, just looking much better, confident, uh, crisp with his passing. He's just uh, I haven't actually looked up his passing rate, uh, but I imagine that his success rate is somewhat higher than it has been in the past. So even Andreas did okay things today. I'm not going to give him too much praise because. I mean, he got a goal because he got into a good position. He had another couple of shots, but he's not an effective number 10. Clearly, clearly, when when Matter outperformed you, uh, you know your time in this uh, team should be up. I mean, 18 passes attempted, 13 completed. Okay, like, okay. Both, both bad numbers. I mean, he didn't get the whole game, but still. And yeah, he did He did get a goal That's an by being in a good on position. Last weekend when he made 15 passes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true. What attempted fifteen? No, passes, no, completed fifteen. Yeah, because he's that. In fact, that therefore is worse than last weekend yeah. because he only completed thirteen passes this week. This is where some of the uh, stat sites. Well, no, when you look at the raw stats, it's fine. You can you can pick apart his game. <laughs> I was just looking on who scored seven point nine rating for Andres simply because he shinned one in off someone else's knee. Exactly. And um, so United went up really early, uh, which massively helped. I mean, you say Graham Potter and, and Brighton didn't do what they need to do. But of course, they were in the unusual position of being behind Old Trafford early doors. Um, the uh, So this is not a thing that normally happens to teams. And that was a courtesy of Pereira kind of, like you say, shinning one off a defender into the back of the net, and then a defender just thinking, "Oh well, I'll I'll just do it myself." Then um, McTominay, poor old McTominay, kind of probably deserved a goal. That Pereira goal is sort of statistically relevant though, because it puts us up to the giddy total of five different players having scored a league goal for United this season. Oh. That number is really bad. I, I looked earlier at the each of the top, the current top four, um, all of whom have at least nine different players who've scored a goal mm. this season. So, well, is there so something I, about, yeah, United's squad and the 
inability of so many of those midfielders to score goals. Has it, yeah, no, that's right. Um, one thing about Pereira is that's just his third United goal. Somehow, in my mind, I'm like, well, at least he can score goals. I mean, it's because the ones he has scored up till this one was a blinding free kick and an absolutely insane mega worldy. Yeah. <laughs> I think those were his previous goals. That, that's um, right, yeah. I mean, I, I did think at one moment during this game after United got that goal and then that second one where the, uh, who was it proper, put it into his own net, that uh, somehow the gods of, of Marcus Rashford's free kick were coming back to haunt us. But no, that's not right, is it? Because... They were just having a little laugh with us. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was the, th- the third goal that Fred um, did that through ball for. Of course, it was Rashford's goal. Martial didn't score in this game. He just got the two assists. Um, and it was the the fact that Martial beat the keeper. And then Rashford was basically, he had the whole, he didn't have the whole goal to aim at. He had the ball in time and space with a lot going on in front of him between him and the goal. And he absolutely walloped it off the crossbar, which was for a moment terrifying because it definitely looked like he'd absolutely skied it. Um, And given that he'd been in that sort of form, uh, that was perhaps not surprising. And he would continue to be in that sort of form shortly after the goal. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, in the end, he did absolutely brilliantly in that moment. Yeah. But it was only his second best contribution today because his best contribution was the flip-flap elastico nutmeg on the edge of the box. Which, Is that uh, the official term for it? Yeah, it's either called a flip-flap or an elastico. It's the Ronaldinho drag one way and then step on the ball and drag it the other. And to, to do that and nutmeg someone... And the disrespect of the Brighton defender not instantly retiring, this is... I mean, he should just say... Okay, no, I I acknowledge now that I should have to retire. There's a Ronaldinho assist where he uh, does that, drags it from one foot to the other, then then I can only say sort of half volleys the ball at three inches above the ground, about 45 yards for his uh, his fellow Barcelona player to score. Honestly, you can you can stick your Messi and Ronaldo unbelievable consistency for a hundred seasons in a row. Give me the three years where Ronaldinho ascended to a new plane of human existence every day. Such a beautiful player, Peter Kenyon. Mm. Peter Kenyon <laughs> should have been United. Yeah. Coming back to Marcus Rashford, of course. Uh, yeah, I think you were referencing he missed one from about three yards out. Uh, shortly afterwards, yeah, 0. 0.6 on the XG there. I was like, hmm, your models, open goal, three yards out? <laughs> yeah, that that feels to me like one where, because, um, you know, we know that XG is not just because all statistical models are flawed, but we know that XG does have some quite specific flaws. And boy, this was a specific yeah. flaw. No, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that- and then surely, Matt Ryan made a couple of good saves from McTominay and Daniel James as well. Um, and it felt like, although United are at uh, 3.65 HG for this game, it felt like United had quite a few good chances. Well, to to have 3.65 XG, you've got to have quite a few good chances, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we didn't yes. we didn't score for many of our three biggest chances XG. No, those, that's right, is, that's right. So, I mean, I, I think what I'm saying is, if United put five past Brighton today, I don't think it would have been unfair. Uh, Brighton didn't offer very much going forward at all 
Yeah, absolutely. I have to correct myself, though, because um, I'm presuming that 18 minutes got McTominay um, 0.62 XG chances, the one that was then tapped in as an own goal. That'd be right. Because um, it's, yeah, it's from that exact position. So, yeah. yeah. It took, it took uh, me yeah. a while to work out what the hell was going on there. They had a VI, VAR check. And I, I, oh, I'm not going to be like one of these pundits that talk about VAR, VAR every week, except I'm going to talk about it this week. And I did last week. And did you? Yeah, I was just going to say. So now you have to ask yourself the question: Did I talk about it last I week? I did. And just in case you don't know the answer, <laughs> it's definitely yes. Yes, it is definitely yes. But like, it, it's that kind of thing that spores the the experience of football. So um, you can get all the arguments about whether it's correct or not correct, or whether uh, the in the second phase of play, a Sheffield United winger's knee was millimetres beyond a Tottenham player's shin. And this is before the cross even comes in. You can argue about all the technicalities. There is no doubt that for people going to watch games, two and a half minutes of waiting around to see whether your team has scored a goal ruins the experience because the best moments of, in football are when you score the goal. And everyone jumps up and celebrates and hugs, and it's a great moment. And, and you this know, is I've ruining often, it. Yeah, I've often sort of thought that some of the arguments about like how football is um, uniquely kind of flowy sport and can't really be broken up weren't actually right, because actually football is really not flowy, except when you get very lucky. But the point of football is it's that it's the the disconnect between what most of watching football is like most of watching football is boring like the in a 90 minute game there are probably 10 minutes of stuff that happens which is really dramatic and exciting but the the thing that it's better at than literally anything else like literally almost literally any other sport maybe with the exception of test cricket because it's got 5 days to build up to it but that happens a lot less um the the moment of the goal, the significant goal in a football match is an ecstasy that you don't get in any other sport. And anything that messes with that, football's got a really big problem because people won't stick around for the rest of it if you ruin that bit. And and there's no doubt this technology is ruining that bit because even when it feels like a clear goal with no no fouls or anything like that, the VAR check is taking away that moment. I mean, today... Absolutely nothing wrong with that Davy Proper Scott McTominay combination goal. Nothing wrong at all. Where? What were they checking that they had to hold things up for that long? It's so strange because, I mean, to go a little off topic, I don't know if you watched City against Liverpool today, but City against Liverpool was. I mean, there's somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody tweeted a very funny tweet saying, the thing about VAR is you complain, it about, you complain about it a lot, but you miss it when it's not there like today. Because the City versus Liverpool game was weird. The, it looked to me like there was definitely a possibility that uh, Salah was offside for their second goal. And certainly, like, they cleared the... Uh, Martin Tyler said, oh, and the VAR check's done after about 15 seconds or something. Well, let's say 30 seconds. When, like you said, the Sheffield United one was three minutes of, like, lining things up very carefully. Why? How were they able to do that check so much quicker? And then the, the whole... There was another thing with Trent Alexander-Arnold had his arm in an outstretched position and the ball hit his arm. And, mm. I mean, that, that's a different situation. Well, there, the, there was one the, today. Uh, I can't, was it proper again? where his arm was definitely not yeah. in the silhouette and it hit his arm. And I was like, hang on a minute. I mean, the, 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 the old rule, of course, was, you know, is that deliberate? 
that's not the rule anymore. And the rule is, is it a natural silhouette? So they must have decided that was, which is a bit weird when you've got your back turned and your arms sticking out. But hmm. yeah, um, we didn't need the pen, though, even though it did look for a second like we might, because... I'm sure I was not alone in being absolutely terrified when Lewis Dunk scored a very nice header. I I was looking at that and thinking, do we complain about United's defending? But ultimately, sometimes a team just puts a really good cross into the box and somebody gets on the end of it. uh, His marker was um, McTominay, wasn't it? I think I'm right in saying that, Scott McTominay. Mm. So he lost his marker, but United don't zonal mark, they man mark at corners and... uh, yeah, he lost his marker. His marker probably I mean, should have been with him, but it's a it's a good header. Yeah, and and the the you, what can you do? Even if his marker had been with him, unless he's holding onto him or fouling him in that spot, really. I mean, unless unless he could position himself between him and the goal in a way that you that's know the that's the whole what point to do. Yeah, obviously, but it, it was. I, it's the kind of Gary Neville principle, isn't it? That that it's not that games shouldn't all end nil nil sometimes like every goal isn't a massive defensive mistake sometimes attackers just do well and you reward them and that it's felt like one of those to me um the uh the response though was beautiful and the fact that the fact that Rashford scored the goal that he scored when he scored it and the fact that Fred made the pass to Martial and the fact that Martial kept his head in the way that he did all of that just in a moment where the game could have been getting away from them, when they've obviously like they are all very short of confidence, as we know, I thought that was quite a quite a special little moment and well worth enjoying. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Just to be very clear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And another final, I guess, the final enjoyable point to make about this game was the performance of Brandon Williams, who um, is very young, but clearly 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 should be united's first choice left back at least until luke shaw is fit at least yeah and and then there's a big question because luke shaw a won't be fit for very long and and hasn't done an awful lot to prove that he should be united's um united's left back even though he was player of the year last season so low low bar (laughs) of course yeah i mean interesting brandon williams i mean it's uh I, i thought he was He's he's pretty feisty, and and we've seen that uh, certainly at under twenty three level where he's happy to mix it up. But I I think we've seen that in the first team as well. He he gets involved in a a little bit. I I like that about him. He's got a bit of an edge. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see whether left back is his final position, given that he's right footed and he might be more comfortable on the other side. But of course, there's a bigger opening opening on the left for him. Uh, had a good shot, didn't he, near the end as well with his right foot. From 20 yards or so, that would have been a, a good one for his Premier League debut. I, and I talking, thought he did well all round. Talking of uh, good shots, worth a mention that Anthony Martial skinned two players and then Jesse Lingard was in loads of space and he could have just tapped it across to him, but instead he went for the shot and I 100% backed his decision to do so. Not just because, sadly, in the current form that he's in, Jesse Lingard probably would have just skied it, but because... Uh, a moment of art was potentially about to be created. And he tried. He really tried. Lingard had the one shot, was it? That went across across the face of the goal. <laughs> I mean, as I said in the WhatsApp group, it was a shot that went horizontal rather than vertical to use football tactical parlance. Unfortunate. All right. Should we, um, should we take some Twitter questions from the listeners? I, I guess we should. Um, we've got to fill this show up somehow, haven't we? 
Yeah, because we've got an international break next. So I guess it'll be perhaps, well, I don't want to say it's going to be a shorter show before we start taking Twitter questions. But I think we've probably dragged almost all the content we can out of uh, two really comfortable routine home wins. I mean, it is nice to see United attack with fluidity and purpose. And And the key thing is just, can we break down the side? That remains the great unanswered question. And I suspect the answer is probably still no for the time being. But as I've been saying all along, this season is about dragging the fun out of whatever, like like a cactus in the desert, absorbing whatever moisture it can um, and then sustaining that, using that moisture to sustain it for a really long time. So that's how we should be about United goals and especially performances where they score three goals. This one's going to get us through a lot of dark times. Well, apparently got you wet this week. Langerman says, seeing as Brandon Williams has been upgraded to deputy left-back, will Luke Shaw leave the club before Ashley Young? The evergreen Ashley Young, Paul. Did you see, did you see that that appeared in a newspaper on the day of the release of our podcast? Interesting, that. Interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't believe it. I'm not saying it was in response because it was before the release of our podcast. It was just the same day. Uh, it made me laugh almost until stuff came out my nose. <laughs> um, uh, at Callum Orr says, uh, why is Lindelof completely rubbish all of a sudden? Must be time for Twan Zabi season when he's fit. Lindelof's... He did all right this week. Yeah. He's been he's been a bit of a flake lord all along, hasn't he? Like, he, he he's had really good periods, but... It does it does look like the natural partner. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were kind of pretty sold on on that being a workable partnership. But actually, they are very similar players, aren't they? Maguire and Lindelof. In, in, and you, you do wonder whether, I don't know, a fit and somehow sane Bailly or or a stepping up a level Twanze Bailly. God, I don't, I'm the... almost forgotten about Eric Bailly. Yeah. Mm. No, no, look, I, I think there's something in it in that they're both sort of Steve Bruce with a decent first touch, aren't they? <laughs> Um, I mean, Lindelof, it, it, yeah, but probably he's Harry Maguire that just does everything just a little bit worse. And then Harry Maguire is a couple of steps away from being elite level. So there's a, there's a, a couple of problems there. And I think I mentioned on last week's pod, one of their biggest weaknesses they both have is in the turn, right? They're not particularly quick and they don't particularly <laughs> so- turn very quick. So... I'm just I'm just laughing that you said last week's pod. I think you mean all this season's yeah, pods. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to keep on saying it until you agree yeah. with me. Um, I mean, I do. It's true. If you've been waiting for me to agree with you all this time, I fully agree with you. But yeah, look, just for the sake of competition, it would be good to see Tuesday be fit and challenging. And, and Eric Bailly too, although I, I've kind of mentally given up on him. Um, just a note for Marcus Rojo. <laughs> I mean... Um, he he came on at left back uh, with about a minute to go or something today, but he played the whole game against Partizan and uh, he did a lot of Marcus Rojo things. I I do I have to say I do enjoy on one level watching him play. I'm not sure I'd enjoy it too often because it'd terrify me. I would love it if he played a team for a team that I felt vaguely warm and affectionate towards, like not someone I wanted to lose, someone I could root for, but not. Not us. <laughs> like he is very, he's very fun in his way. Yes. James Kenny says, uh, at James E. Cantona on Twitter says, should Pogba be the playmaker number ten and leave the partnership of McTominay and Fred to continue? Yeah, I kind of think so. We flip flopped on this question quite a bit this season, haven't we? And it's it's the big uh, it's the big trade off in uh, Ollie's decision making in midfield. But I think right now, if Fred's playing well and McTominay's obviously a shoe in if he's fit. 
kind of worrying he's hobbling around at the end there. Well, hobbled off. He hobbled He hobbled off both games. I mean, he hobbled off against Partizan. I think he got stretchy. He hobbled off and then got stretched down the touchline, I think, against... and, and Same ankle? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Solskjaer said it was ankles and he said scan tomorrow and he said he once had one and he was out for eight weeks, but there's sometimes it's two weeks. Yeah, soft um, tissue damage takes a long time because it's flexible joint. Yeah, so anyway, yes, I think absolutely if everyone's fit. I mean, if if he's not fit, Pogba's going back into central midfield for sure. But given that Andreas, Mata, Lingard, anyone else at number 10 has been absolutely useless this season and in fact last season as well, Pogba's going to have to play there, especially if Fred's, like, blooming-ish. Yeah, um, so should say James, of course, friend of the show. Um, but the uh, the that question, I think, is the key question. And, like, two good games from Fred. But generally, I would say, like, an upturn in form and, and a kind of gradual, growing you know, transition from pub footballer to Premier League footballer has taken place with Fred. It doesn't mean he's not going to have bad games again, but this run in the side, this forced run in the side has been extremely good for him. And the fact that we're now saying, actually, putting Pogba at 10 and having Fred and McTominay behind him looks like the best use of everyone, that is, that's effectively like a luxury at this point, given how desperate things were, given the that the idea when Pogba got injured, that that would be a feasible thing when he came back and you wouldn't just be absolutely desperate to get Fred out the side. That's, that's a big change and it's pretty good. Skull scores goals says, is it really more difficult to miss than score? Yeah, it's one of those pundity phrases, but actually on a 0.63 XG chance that Rashford had, statistically, Yes. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I looked up that XG and like proper nerd. As soon as the XG stuff was out, that was the first thing I was looking up. And like you, I was surprised at how low it was. But it, and, and in a way that is probably to do with, as we were saying earlier, the kind of deficiencies in the XG model. And the, then sometimes very specific chances don't map onto the things that are kind of registered by XG, which is like... Um, you know, is it a shot or a header? What kind of ball was played to it? And all the models vary slightly different, um, very slightly in how they analyse it. But that did look like a bigger chance than that. But on the other hand, if that actually is a six times out of 10 strikers would score that goal, Rashford should probably get less stick for having a four out of like four times, 40% of the time is a lot of the time, isn't it? You know, so. But, I, but to be honest, that didn't look like a 60% chance to me. Ian Byrne says, is Pepper fraud? <laughs> well, I, I, we've got a first time question from at N-W-O-E-R-S-A-A, who says, um, is Giuseppe Guardiola on something? And what is it? And then was he writing his criticism on the refs here? His, I don't know if you've seen uh, the passive aggressive Pep saying thank you to the ref. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It looks like somebody not getting the Christmas present they wanted from a relative and being like, ah, thank you very much. Yeah, this is just what I've always wanted. It was, you know, he is he's a child when he loses, Guardiola is, but we've known this all along. I think he's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be on anything. He's driven to the point of insanity. And it was a frustrating display, um, I thought, today. I, I would have been frustrated if I was a City fan. Yeah, City have got all sorts of problems at the moment. Injuries to key defensive players, Laporte out for a long time. Uh, midfielders playing at the back. 
short of numbers in midfield uh, as a result. Didn't buy the centre-back Pep wanted in the summer. Uh, he'll now be able to put, you know, go to the board and say, hey, 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 look, but City are worried about financial fair play. Uh, and they are, there is an investigation still going through the investigations unit at UEFA. They are going to be in a lot of trouble for that one. Probably going to get a Champions League ban as a result. So, yeah, they, they've got some issues. And it's unfortunate that it's leading to a nine-point win. Although I said to myself at the beginning of the season, I'm just not going to focus. I focused on that a lot last season. It wasn't very nice. Yeah, wanting, preferring City to win. Just like, this is what you've done, Edward Wood. <laughs> And now it's all aboard the Brendan Rogers hype train. Yeah. Um, at Nightwink ninety nine, friend of the show says, which opposition player did you hate seeing line up against United? E.g., Big Dunk Ferguson, Drogba, Niall Quinn, Dave, uh, David Bellamy, not David Bellamy. That would be fine. Just doing some naturalism. Um, uh, Craig Bellamy. The lesser part spotted Paul Scholes here in the field. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who's who haunted your dreams, Ed? When because uh, now it's it's any mediocre striker. Yeah, oh jo- jo- Josh King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, those are some good suggestions, actually. Big Dunk always seemed to do something against United. It feels like it, uh, especially Goodison. Uh, Drogba scored some crucial goals, in, including that one that was three yards offside. I wondered how long three it would take yards. to mention it. Three yards. You don't need but VAR. You... VAR could have been in a different bloody country at a different stadium and spotted that one. We we support a team where Roy Carroll literally threw a ball out from the back of the net and the goal wasn't given. Yeah, but it didn't, didn't change the championship, did it? No, that's a good point. Yeah, Jogba, Jogba was a big one for me. Uh, Craig Bellamy, not so much because he was like good and effective against us, just because he's he's just a little. the most annoying. Yeah. Although I did enjoy it in that City United 4-3 game where he scored and he's still celebrating, basically, as Michael Owen puts it into the back of the net. And, and talking of Owen, uh, segue on to Shearer, because those two have had some beef recently, which is kind of fun. I've been enjoying that one. Shearer was pretty annoying. I mean, he scored yeah. quite a few against us. Robbie Fowler. Because oh, what a horrible nothing, man! Nothing hurts more than a player that your opposition, rightly for them, absolutely adores and worships. Like that's you know, Robbie Fowler is there. I don't know whoever um, to us. Oh, I mean, we haven't got any equivalents because all our heroes won the league. Andrew Yaxley, <laughs> friend of the show. Uh, Andrew, he, he's a he's a Portland Timbers fan. He's he's from Manchester, but he moved to Portland. And uh, as you know, I spent some time in Seattle. So I guess you know, if I have to pick a MLS side, and I would advise the listeners not to do it. It's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> but it would be Sounders. So they're big rivals. Sounders yeah, yeah, yeah. are in the MLS Cup final. Yeah, they beat LAFC, right? Yeah, they're playing Toronto in the MLS Cup final for the championship. Portland Timbers aren't just just pointing this out, Andrew. Just just saying, just saying. You, I mean, you are desperately scraping the bottom of the barrel for football banter, aren't yeah, you? you? You've like been denied success. It's because I don't want to read out his question. <laughs> Pick one evil regime to take over United. Oh, I saw this question. I was skipping over Saudi it. Arabia, China, Iran, North Korea, the GOP. That's the Grand Old Party, the Republicans, or the Conservative Party. Awesome. Who's who's going to be running United? I don't know. I, refu- I refuse to answer this question. I am against it. Well, you, do, should we go on with the problems of each of them? Pro- probably the Chinese, because, you know, remarkably efficient at uh, running capitalist entities while having a planned economy. 
Um, at Dakeen says, have Fred and De Bruyne gone for a Freaky Friday type body swap? It's a great question. Big Big Kev is not is not killing the game right now. Guardiola's glancing enviously over at Fred's sick through ball today. Sick. See, oh, he's definitely glancing enviously at Maguire because he really wanted him, apparently. Although I think he was second choice for City. And everyone is glancing enviously at uh, Dan James because Dan James is great. I'm not having I'm not having this like, oh, well, maybe he'll be good. Dan James, I'm buying full investment in stocks and shares in on the Dan James is going to be real, real good hype train. Yeah. I I think he's going to be more dangerous coming off the left. I I just think he's not going to score many goals coming from the right. And he plays quite effectively today as a sort of right winger. So yeah. he got on the outside, put balls in. Yeah, that's true. In, but it, in the United it, system, you're only going to have one man in the box a lot of the time. So I, I think he, Oli's relying on players cutting inside. But the the flip side of that is when you have a front three of Rashford and Martial and James, what often happens in attack is it effectively it becomes a sort of um, asymmetric formation where you've got a right winger and two centre forwards, and that actually works really well um, quite a lot of the time. And I think I think the fact that James isn't cutting inside means that Rashford and Martial can be more of a a front two pairing. And obviously, like um, you've got then a problem of overlap on the left but if Brandon Williams continues his development and if Pogba comes back to play at 10 Pogba's going to naturally drift out that way anyway you've then got potentially quite a, a balanced unbalanced attack yeah I, I guess I, I mean I think you're going to get five goals out of Dan James in a season playing in this position and you could get 15 playing off the left so yeah but you might get you might get you know like uh, I don't know what chance create you might get a lot more chance creation out of it and then a hundred goals for Martial and Rashford, which uh, they yeah, yeah. do the maths. That's a net. That's a net goal. That's a net profit. Yeah, totes, totes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Einstein. Robert Smart says, "How much is it going to take to get Madison? Whatever it takes, I think. I mean, he's certainly growing. I mean, the amount of chances he creates. Although I do, I do wonder in this United side, would he just? No, 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 no. He would make a big difference because um, he would just create chances uh, from two in midfield or out or wide off the left or." at number 10 yeah yeah absolutely um it's uh it's gonna be like this isn't the new united we don't just now have like really exciting front three all the time and and fred and mctominay being good enough all the time like that's none of this is gonna happen there's gonna be loads of bumps in the road again but it was another very enjoyable game after you know after the really kind of disappointing that second half against Bournemouth in particular, and this time with a bit of rest in their legs and a bit more confidence, and then the kind of home, home, I don't know, home advantage or whatever, and and especially like Partizan being rubbish and then Brighton having to come out effectively, it it's all just been a, quite a lot of fun, hasn't it? So Paul, you returned to Twitter this week, uh, as you mentioned earlier, and a lot of people saying, "Ah, Paul's back on Twitter, yay!" Very popular. Uh, oh, Anthony Phillips nice. says, "Can I book a session with Paul for when the unthinkable happens in May? I already know I can't cope." <laughs> yep. In all serious, if anybody, um, what's your uh, rate? Uh, got a rate? Uh, I'm, I'm you got a rate uh, card. Flexible, depending on people's circumstances. Um, Good negotiating the, tactic. 
Uh, it's not a negotiating tactic, Ed. My job is to help as many people as possible. Yeah, right. um, I mentioned it actually a few weeks ago, and a, a couple of people have got in touch with me to ask me whether I was serious about this. So just to be absolutely clear, yep, I'm entirely serious about this. You can get me on the United Rant email address, and I, I do Skype sessions. And if you are looking for somebody to talk to, I'm always happy to try and help people. I mean, normally I'd say... Uh... Grow a pair, get a stiff up a lip, man up a little bit, but it's Liverpool winning the title. Oof. Yeah, and also uh, you've just outlined three things that are the part of the reason why suicide is the largest killer of men under the age of 35 in this country. And we should probably move on from these jokes as a society. I don't know. I don't know what you think, because the thing about that is it's not a joke. That's what people are told and what they do and the opposite of what they actually need to do. Oh, man. Football doesn't understand iron. Shall we move on? Uh, we've got. I've got a question talking of irony. Um, at Jax365 says, United play RZ on the 12th of December. Will you repeat your reaction to the exit poll from the 2017 election? <laughs> I mean, day, the 12th of December could change the fate of this country because if, we're looking at the European coefficients and it's important that United get through. <laughs> Are we not through? Are we not through? I think we've qualified. Pretty, pretty much just, through, yeah. I think we want to finish top of the group though, don't we? Because then you don't get one of the teams dropping out of the Champions League. Except that it's the Europa League. So the official position of the rank cast is that we do not care about the Europa League. It's not your official position, is it, Ed? You want to go to the final. I know you. We looked up where it was. I can't remember, though. Might have been... Oh, yeah, Gdansk. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah. very cool-looking stadium. I did, actually, after we looked it up, I uh, checked flight prices. And I thought, well, they're quite reasonable. I might, might just buy one on spec. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they won't be reasonable if we if we get close. No, no, it's and Gdansk. Uh, you'll be taking a train there or something. Kind of an interesting question from uh, Mark T at Mr T75, who says, could Ole build a side for the next coach or can he learn on the job, so to speak? No, and I think he's building a side for the next coach. I 100% I think this. I mean, uh, and that's a good scenario where he actually gets long enough in the job that he's building a side because the, the alternate scenario is that uh, the inconsistency in the United comes back and you actually start losing too many games, start dr drifting down the table again, and he gets fired, and then, then it's a panic uh, mode again in order to get another coach, and they just install a coach who's completely different again, and this whole idea of building for a longer-term future and, and being more sensible about purchases gets thrown out the window, and you get a whole bunch of short-term fixes to fix what the next manager thinks is the problem. And I think that the, the thing about learning on the job is a really interesting thing. And I think this has to be one of the hardest jobs in the world to learn on. Because one of the things that you need to be able to really like learn and change is to feel reasonably safe and comfortable. Like stress is a very big antidote to information retention, for example. Like stress reduces your capacity. I mean, it, it temporarily increases your capacity to do all sorts of things in terms of adrenaline and cortisol and all that stuff. But in the anything beyond the immediate short term, stress is really bad for you in all different kinds of ways. So to be in a job where you're relentlessly under endless pressure and to learn on that job is a very, very big ask. Because where's where does the development come from? You're constantly, just like all Solskjaer can think about, he's got a break during the international break, but normally he's, you know, you win a game, you're playing again three days later. You lose a game, you're playing again three days later. Learning is, is difficult in these circumstances. Well, yeah, I'd also say one other thing. This is Manchester United. It's not, I mean, any coach who comes to United has to learn something because, as we found, 
even with Louis van Gaal, extremely experienced. Uh, that got to him. Mourinho wasn't able to necessarily deal with the pressure very well. He did a very Mourinho uh, thing about it. But, you know, I, I think there's a learning curve that's just a little bit too steep for Oli. Typically, you'd, you'd say, you know, typically with these elite jobs, uh, it, it typically goes to an elite manager. There's not too many times where one of the big European club appoints someone who's completely inexperienced. Now, Pep got the job at Barcelona 10 years ago. And and that's you know was surprising, although they'd obviously picked out that this man was going to do a certain thing beforehand. You know they had kind of decided this, um, and he had a couple of years with the B team as a result. Uh, so, but they, they, these are rare examples when a top European club appoints someone completely inexperienced, which United have done uh, a few years back. Uh, was it um, Gianluca Vialli got the job at Chelsea? And Marcello Lippi said it was like putting a learner driver in charge of a Ferrari. Mm. It's a little bit of that. Yeah, and and you know the, the looking at Solskjaer today, I and mean, obviously we won. He's got to be happy about that. But he just looked exhausted. He really. I mean, I know I said the other day he's not looking great, and it looks like it's aged him this job. But he looked kind of, if anything, even worse today. And there's something that I I've noticed which I find a little bit concerning which is um if you look at when he's on the bench sat next to Michael Carrick um Carrick looks like he kind of looks a little bit like Ryan Giggs used to listen look when he was listening to Louis van Gaal um but but sort of even more so there's a little bit of Carrick which looks to me like he's thinking I can't say what the hell are you talking about that doesn't make any sense this seems ridiculous but if I could that's what I would be saying I don't know I'm reading a lot into a couple of uh, a couple of moments of touchline footage but I picked up a vibe that's for sure I mean I agree with the first part Ollie does not look good it's like looking at those pictures of Barack Obama on his yeah, first said, day in office and yeah, 8 exactly. years later except exactly. that's happened in 10 months <laughs> It's a tough job. And uh, as we talked about on the Patreon bonus content last week, it's a tough job. And uh, he has not won a lot of football matches in the time that he's been in charge. So I think that probably does it for the show, right? Have we, any any big United news this week? I don't think much much developed, did it? No, I don't think so. I mean, did we talk about the women's team? They won last weekend, five on the trot. We didn't mention that. Um, no game this week because it's... Uh, it is uh, Women's International Week. In, in fact, I went to the England versus Germany match at Wembley. Horrible, corporate, soulless, nasty stadium. I've never liked Wembley. So the the old one, although you couldn't see anything because of the low sort of um, uh, gradient of the seating. So it was always horrible and the toilets were always overflowing. So you're like wading through piss all the time. At least had a sort of atmosphere to... To it because it was old. This one just just feels cold. I mean, you've been a couple of times, don't you? I mean, yeah. the games make it, I guess. But uh, on a game like that, where I, where I wasn't particularly passionate about it, but uh, was taking the family, then uh, it's not particularly great. Um, it was it was an interesting atmosphere though because there were eighty thousand people there for a women's game. So yeah, it, highest attendance ever for a women's international, an England international. England international. Yeah, there have been some GB Olympics. Um, but but also uh, there have been women's teams with better attendances than right. that in the olden days before the. Well, that's right. In the thirties, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so uh, anyway, it was it was a, it was a good atmosphere. A lot of sort of England flag waving and uh, stuff like that, but a kind of family atmosphere until Germany scored a last minute goal and it got a bit Brexity. Got to say, the F and the C word were out, and I was like, hmm, you know. As you know, Paul, and listeners of this show know, I like a swear word or two. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice there's no bleeps this week so far. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah, well done, I've done pretty well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a five-star bleep if required um, for a family audience at Wembley. If you're, uh, if you're wondering, because uh, we have video chat going while we record this, and if you're wondering what the hardest moment Ed has experienced today, it was definitely not swearing after he said Peter Kenyon. That was, uh, was quite a moment. Um, talking of the United women's team, though, Kirsty Hansen. Um, uh, Made debut the month. for Scotland, yeah. Yeah, but she was player of the month as well. Um, yeah. In uh, not for United, but for but for the the women's league. Um, and uh, Ian Wright announced that with an ad produced by our friends at Tifo, which was which was very exciting. I was I was very excited by that anyway. But yeah, but fantastic for for her and and evidence that the United's women's team is uh, clearly in a much much more functional place. Casey Stoney signed a new contract. That's right till twenty twenty two, I believe. Yeah. Stoney twenty twenty two. Yeah, look, it's can... in a very good position the women's team at the moment. Uh, I, you know, there's a there's a question at at, um, at right back, I think, and a very inexperienced player we've got there at the moment. And I think another forward would really round out the team. But in a very good position to finish, maybe third or fourth in the league, which I think is probably exceeding expectations. And um, I think we'll uh, we're going to try and get some guests on to talk about uh, the women's team because I think that's yeah, that'd like, be great. I, I... Yeah. I'm my I've not paid a lot of attention to it because I don't pay attention to almost anything in football outside of United's uh, senior men's team. Um, you should get also... on MUTV. It's good entertainment to be had. The under 23s won again this week, and uh, the under 18s. Uh, it's always yeah. It's good when the when the first team's depressing. I was going to say um, we'll we'll get someone on to talk about the the youth teams. Not that you couldn't do that, but we'll we'll get get someone and have have a chat just someone better you know <laughs> there's no one better than you at talking about united ed we all know that uh-huh. um, thank you very much for listening everybody we really appreciate um those of you who choose to um spend time with us every week and you should subscribe folks because uh, we don't often ask you to do that but uh, since we haven't been relentlessly negative about uh, the, everything this uh, this week Smash that subscribe button, tell your friends. Yeah, um, and, and in all seriousness, the tell your friends part of that, like, please do uh, tell your friends about the show if you think they would like it. Um, and also a thing that still helps podcasts is, um, and we haven't asked for this for absolutely ages, but reviews on um, the Apple podcast store in particular. So other... Helps massively. Yeah. That is the number one because everyone else takes the Apple feed. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, any any anyone who if you like the show um sort us out with a five star review on there basically if you don't like the show please don't um, but if you quite like the show don't like give us a three or four star review even though i would appreciate that from a personal perspective it's algorithmically not good that's right if if you think we're a three star show it's editor at unitedrant.co.uk will uh, we'll engage in conversation. <laughs> All right, brilliant. So thanks for listening, everyone. This is, nobody's going to bleep your email responses to anyone who emails you and is like, I think this is a three-star show. Um, all right, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another one of these during the international break. Thanks for listening. Bye now. <laughs>